Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sunday, 610 Sports Radio. I am Nick Schwert. Grant Nicholson in with me. I actually, I don't know where Jay Binkley's at. I would assume I will see him at least meandering throughout this building sometime in the next hour or so. Jay Binkley's been coming after me for the better part of the last three months, ever since he found out that I had a Heisman vote, Grant, by the way. I just kind of wanted to find a way to mention to everybody today that... Oh, you might have a Heisman vote? In case you didn't already know, yes, it is true. I have a Heisman vote. It's due by, I think, 6 p.m. tomorrow. Have you voted yet? You know what I might do, man? I might vote. I might submit my ballot live on the air. Now, that won't really have any on-air value because, as you know, it is against the rules set forth by the Heisman Trust to disclose your ballot publicly until the results have been revealed. So I can't really say anything, but we can talk it out, right? We can talk about Heisman candidates. We can talk about the obvious finalists. And and Jay Binkley's probably driving around right now. He's making a beeline for the studio because he's going to want to hop in here on a show that's named after him. To give his thoughts. He's probably screaming about what his pick would be for the Heisman. He's probably mad he doesn't have a vote. He's probably just driving around Kansas City with his windows down, screaming out Kenny Pickett stats. Like, that's what I would imagine he is doing right now, spending his Sunday morning. We will have the college football playoff reveal here in one hour from now. I don't think there's any drama. I think we know who the four teams are. We... You could maybe debate the order that they're going to be in between Michigan, Alabama, Cincinnati, and Georgia, but it's going to be those four teams. And there's part of me that feels like that's a bit of a downer, that there's no drama involved in, like, who's going to be the last team that gets in? But then you realize all the years there have been drama and how pissed off you've been after the fact that I feel like the absence of drama this year might actually be a good thing considering... The college football playoff committee finds a way to piss off a segment of college football every single year. At least at the very much, we know who the four teams are going to be. And there's just not that much drama with the way that things played out yesterday. I do think regardless of whether you've got Alabama or Michigan, one or two, like those are going to be the top two teams. And then Georgia and Cincinnati will be three or four. I just, you could put Michigan one, but if you put Michigan one, you have to put Georgia four. And if you put Alabama one, you have to put Georgia three because that's one thing I feel pretty steadfast on. They're not going to give us back-to-back games between Bama and Georgia. But I don't even know if I want – I don't want back-to-back games, but also I don't think I want an all-SEC national championship either. Like My ideal national championship is Georgia-Michigan. I think those are the two best teams in college football. So just get, I don't care how you get there. Just give me a formula that leads to that being the national championship matchup. That's all I ask for. So that's coming out in about an hour from right now. 11 o'clock will be the college football playoff reveal. Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders is going to join the show coming up at 11 o'clock. We're going to try and make sense of what's going on in the AFC. It feels like there have been six teams 
that have all taken their share as being quote unquote the team in the AFC. But now we're coming down the stretch of the regular season, the home stretch and trying to figure out, okay, like which of these teams are legit? The teams that are stumbling right now, is that just it? Is it a late season stumble or are there bigger issues at play? We'll talk to Aaron Schatz. Uh, one of the uh, does great work for football outsiders. He created DVOA. He does great work for ESPN plus as well. So we'll talk to him coming up at 11 o'clock chiefs Broncos tonight. Did you wake up this morning with that feeling? You know, that feeling that you have on a Sunday where, you know, it's a big game where it's chiefs, bills, chiefs, Ravens. And if, if you have good divisional rivals, in a year where the Chargers or the Broncos or the Raiders are really strong, you you wake up with even an extra feeling because not only is it a big game, but it's a divisional game. It's a rivalry game. Well, on paper, the Broncos are at least a decent team. Right? They're still in the mix in the AFC. And with a win tonight in Kansas City, you would have to start taking them very seriously the rest of the way. But at no point this season have we or really anybody else talked about the Broncos as if they are in the mix with everybody else in this conference. And it's not hard to figure out why. They have Vic Fangio as their head coach. They have Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback. They've got really impressive wins. They've won three of their last four games. So if you wanted to make the case, there's plenty of ammunition in your corner. But whoever you're trying to make your case to is going to sit there and say, okay, well, cool. Because they still have Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. They still have Vic Fangio as their head coach. This is not a team I'm scared of. Tonight is a TCOB game for the Chiefs. Grant, you know what TCOB is? Taking care of business? That's right. Let's go. Because if you don't know what TCOB is, you know what that tells me? You haven't been TCOB in. You haven't teeing COB. Tonight is a game where I don't care. To me, I didn't wake up this morning feeling any which way about this game other than get a win, move on. I did not wake up today thinking about all of the hatred in my heart for the Broncos because I hate the Broncos. But I didn't wake up this morning thinking, okay, another one of those games. This is one that we're going to remember. You know why? Because I know Teddy Bridgewater is not in for the long haul. Because I know Vic Fangio is not in for the long haul. Maybe they'll both still be employed by Denver next year, but this is not going to be the beginning of some sort of budding rivalry between Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and those two guys. And you can say, well, that's only two guys. What about the rest of the team? They've got a nice roster. They've got some nice receivers. Javante Williams, the rookie running back, looks really good. They've got some studs on defense. One of the top five defenses in the NFL. All of that is true, but we all know at the end of the day, You're going to judge a team based off their quarterback and their head coach. You are. Because talk about the teams that you believe in in the NFL. AFC, NFC, doesn't matter. You can lead off with, okay, well, this team's got great linebackers. They've got a great pass rush, great secondary. They don't allow anything. They're constantly getting after the quarterback. All of those things matter. But none of them matter more than your head coach and your quarterback. And the Broncos are subpar in both of those categories. Vic Fangio, great defensive mind. He is one of the top defensive play callers in the NFL. Maybe number one. He's top three for sure. That's the reason why the Broncos are still in the mix this year. But you look around the league, with the exception of guys like Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, uh, John Harbaugh. I do have Jim Harbaugh on the mind, by the way, and I have thoughts on him that we'll get to later in the show. Uh, The best coaches in the league, the ones that you think of as as being the sort of progressive, next-level, new-age coaches, they're all offensive minds. I hate the Broncos more than I hate any team, but I have absolutely no feelings about this game tonight. I'll probably feel a little bit different when they do the overhead shots of Arrowhead, and then we see the Collinsworth slide. Like, the second the Collinsworth slide comes in, I'm going to be singing a different tune. I promise you. But as of right now, take care of business, man. Go out. Get up early, make the Broncos chase points, win the game, go home, move on. You know, what's what's interesting is that 
it's it's kind of funny to look at some of Mahomes' numbers the last two years, the years in which Fangio's been the coach for the Broncos. Four games he's played against a Vic Fangio-coached Broncos defense has Patrick Mahomes. 2019, Super Bowl year. The first game at Denver, that was the kneecap on the side of the leg game where he only played a couple quarters, but 77 yards, touchdown, kneecap game. Chiefs killed the Broncos, 30-6 to in that game. Remember, Mac Moore came in, and it didn't matter. Like They just ran away with the game. The game in Kansas City that year, Chiefs won 23-3. to Mahomes was pretty good, 340, two touchdowns, one interception. Last year at Denver, blowout early in the season, 43-16. to Mahomes had 200 yards and a touchdown. Like He didn't have to do a whole lot. And then you had the game in Denver, that, or the game in Kansas City. That was the really ugly sort of rock fight game that the Chiefs won 22-16. to Mahomes had 318 and one touchdown. So when you look at those three games, the Broncos have scored six points, three points, 16 points, 16 points. The Chiefs are dominating the Broncos right now. They've won 11 in a row. The Broncos haven't won a game against Kansas City since Peyton Manning was the quarterback. Should we do one of those things where, oh, the last time the the Chiefs lost to the Broncos, uh, Lady Gaga's poker face was the number one. I don't know. It wasn't that long ago, but you get the point. 11 straight games. How am I supposed to get up for a team that hasn't won in 11 tries since 2015? What were you doing in 2015? Ask yourself right now. Where were you at? Did you have the same job you have now? How many kids did you have then? How many kids do you have now? Right? Life changes, except for this. This is the only thing that hasn't changed in the past six years. The Chiefs and the Broncos play twice a year, and the Chiefs kick the Broncos' ass. End of story. And it hasn't been because Mahomes has done Mahomes-like things. In fact, quite the opposite. He's been, at least by his standards, rather average against Denver. Guess what? Doesn't matter. Know why? The Broncos are trotting out Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. You know what that means? They're not really a team to be feared. Six points, three points, 16 points, 16 points. Quick math. 32 plus nine. That's 41. Averaging 10 points a game. All right. Well, let me go ahead and make proclamation number one today on Bing Sunday, Grant. Chiefs hold the Broncos to 10 points. I am predicting a Kansas City win tonight. All right. I know. Going out on a limb a little bit, but I'm feeling good. I feel good today, man. Chiefs hold the Broncos to 10 points. They're getting out of Arrowhead with another win tonight. This game is going to be decided in the first two quarters. By halftime, we're going to know what's going to happen. Because we know what the Broncos want to do. So no Melvin Gordon. That changes things a little bit, but... They've got a stud rookie running back in Javante Williams. Broncos are going to want to run, run, run the ball early in the game. They want to do what they want to do, milk the clock, protect their quarterback. I mean, they got receivers, but Teddy Bridgewater is, is a conservative quarterback. That's why he avoids interceptions, and that's why the Broncos have been successful when they're running the ball early, building leads, putting points on the board, and then being able to sort of coast because they do have a defense that's going to be able to hold you in check, especially when you're dictating the flow of the game. You can run, run, run your way to win, but you can't do that if you get behind two scores. Like, if the Chiefs come out, let's just go through scenario number one here. Let's imagine the Chiefs go out, score a touchdown, first drive. The game script lately for those first 15 has been really, really good the past two or three games for Kansas City. That's when they've looked their best. Let's say the Chiefs go down, score a touchdown, three and out, six and out, whatever for the Broncos. They punt. Chiefs get the ball back. They're up 14-0. Chiefs get up 14-0, game over. 14-0, game is over. Because the second you put the Broncos in a position where they're chasing, now they're playing from behind, now they're out of their game plan. They can't just turn around and run the ball off, hand the ball off. This Denver offense, for the most part this year, has been mostly average. The reason why they're average as opposed to below average is they don't turn the ball over. If you're not going to be an explosive offense that's pushing the ball downfield and getting big chunk plays, well, then the best thing you can do is not shoot yourself in the foot. Okay, we're going to be a plotting offense. We're going to run the ball. We're going to dink and dunk you. But what we're not going to do is we're not going to give you short fields. Broncos have been really good about that. 
What they've been really good at all year, though, and especially during this stretch of the last five weeks where they've won three of four, they've been incredible early. They've been a really efficient offense in the first half. When the flow of the game has not been decided yet. Right, the second half is when you, you sort of throw everything away and say, okay, this is what we have to do now. If we're playing from behind or we're playing from ahead, we're going to change the game plan. But in the first half, when you know the teams are mostly running what they want to run, when a coach is doing what he wants to do, that's when you find out what a team's about. And the Broncos have been really good in those situations. They're fourth in offensive EPA in the first half of games, especially running the ball. The Broncos are the third best rushing attack in the first half of games the last five weeks. They're going to come out and try and run the ball against the Chiefs. If there's any vulnerability on the Chiefs' defense, it's their rushing game. Like, Nick Bolton's been great, but he's playing less now. Now that the Chiefs are healthy, Anthony Hitchens, Willie Gay, I I love Willie Gay. I I think he could be the breakout player for the Chiefs the second half of the season. But even Ben Neiman is playing more than Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton has been fourth in linebacker snaps the last two weeks. I'd love to see him play more. Probably not going to happen. But that's where the Chiefs are vulnerable. I, they haven't given up a lot of big plays to, to wide receivers. I know Rashad Fenton's been great. He's out tonight. I, I still have faith in the Chiefs' defense being able to stop that passing attack. But you let the Broncos run all over you in the first couple. I mean, they march down the field, have a 10-play drive, just handing the ball off to Williams over and over and over again. That's where you get into a little bit of trouble. But if this Chiefs' offense can move the ball down the field, I think they'll be running the ball a lot early too because that's what they've been doing lately. Light boxes. Two high safeties, hand the ball off, dink and dunk, throw it to Tyree Kill underneath, get some trickery, misdirection. It's what Andy Reid's so good at. But I think by halftime, we're going to know what this game's going to look like. Chiefs are up big. Chiefs are up big by the end of the first quarter, 14-0, game over. Broncos keep it tight. That's when we could be in for a really, really interesting game. I'm excited for it. That's coming up tonight, but we got a lot of stuff happening in between now and then, including... The college football playoff reveal. The selection show starting here in about 45 minutes. Last night was devoid of drama. Doesn't mean there's not a lot to talk about with this playoff that we're going to find out about here shortly. We'll talk about it on the other side. This is Bing Sunday. He's Grant Nichols and I'm Nick Short on 610 Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, we got big news right now. Big news to reveal to you here on Bink Sunday. The namesake of this show, Jay Binkley. We have reached an agreement with one Jay Binkley to join us in studio one hour from right now. That's a big get. Big get for the show. It's a huge get. We've been working on him for months. He's a, he's a busy man, but I said, Bink... We're going to find out about the college football playoff here in 40 minutes. We're going to talk about the Heisman. He may kind of try and sway my ballot. I'm not going to let that happen, but we're going to hash it out on air. Jay Binkley in studio at 1120. Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders is going to join us coming up at the top of the hour, right at 11 o'clock trying to make sense of exactly who I'm supposed to believe in in the AFC. All right, so we'll find out about the teams and the rankings for the college football playoff coming up here at 11. Give me your order. I want to hear your prediction for what you think the order of the college football playoff is going to be. Hit me up on the Jays Southland Toast Service text line, 913-576-7610. What do you think is going to be the order? I want to hear it. One through four, how do you think this playoff is going to shake out? Because we know the four teams. There's not going to be any surprise. Notre Dame's not getting in. Uh, Oklahoma State's not getting in after losing to Baylor. We know the four teams. And what's so cool about that, right? Okay, you don't have the drama. That's one thing. What's great about it is we know history is going to be made because we know Even if you have a little bit of skepticism, because we haven't heard it before, I'm telling you it's going to happen. Cincinnati's getting in. The first group of five team in the history of the college football playoff is going to get a bid. And and last year, last year, after listening to Gary Barta, the playoff committee chair, after the selection show, wondering, you know, how Oklahoma with two losses – jumped ahead of an unbeaten Cincinnati team. I thought that it was never going to happen. I thought there was never going to be a route with the current format of the college football playoff to get a group of five team in. If that undefeated Cincinnati team got jumped by a two-loss Oklahoma team, I didn't know how it would happen. In fact, Georgia or Cincinnati, I believe, was behind a three-loss Florida team. And, you, and we've seen the different teams over the year whether it was Central Florida, um, BYU, which isn't a group of five team, but you get the point. Like, how, how is it ever going to happen? Coastal Carolina, like, how is it ever going to happen if it's not going to happen that year? Well, we found out. It's about beating good teams. And Cincinnati, unlike some of those other teams, had two really nice wins. We saw one of them yesterday versus Houston. Houston may not be a marquee win, but it's a top 25 win. But the big one is that they beat Notre Dame earlier this season. That was it. The second Cincinnati beat Notre Dame, I think that was the first month of the season, you knew it was going to be possible for them to make a way in. And it's not just that they went undefeated, Grant, it's that they kicked everyone's ass the whole way. That's what you have to do, too. Get big wins, but also against all of these other teams that none of us care about, kill them. And that's what they did. And now they're going to get a shot. I would guess they're going to come in at four and probably draw Alabama in the first round. Actually, I think they're drawing Alabama no matter what. Because even if you push them up to three, they'll just make Alabama two, Michigan one. I just I just can't imagine they're going to give us 
Bama, Georgia again in the semifinals. Like the only way we see that is if they both win, which could very well happen. Now, if Cincinnati gets totally destroyed against whoever they end up playing, does this slams the door for future G5 teams since they're moving to the Power 5? Like, what does this result do the first time a, a G5 team made it for the future? So, it depends on what you care about. It depends on, as a college football fan, what you well, think. What the committee cares about. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what that's what it cares about. But in terms of, like, what you want to see, like, what do you, what do you think is right? Because... Sometimes we get sort of caught up in talking about different things here. The committee's been consistent on one thing. In, in it, the consistency they've had is that they're so inconsistent from year to year as to what metrics they're actually using. So it's great for them. They never paint themselves into a corner. They can change year by year and say, well, we never said this. We never said that. They sort of mix it up. They figure it out as they go. There's a very good chance Cincinnati gets their ass whooped in that first game, regardless of who they play. To me, and for the people who have been clamoring to give a route, to provide a route for these group of five teams to make it into the playoff, all anybody's been asking is for a shot. Nobody's saying, oh, and they're going to compete. No, they just want a chance. Give them the opportunity to go to the playoff and show that they are one of those teams. Now, big picture, you want to talk not just like next year, but over the next decade, all these conferences need to figure their bleep out and go for this 12-team playoff. I don't want a 12-team playoff. I'd much rather have an 18-team playoff. But once again, we are going to have half of the college football playoff being represented by the SEC. And that'll be the second time in the last five seasons that's been the case. Big 10's fine. Right, They get representation every single year, so they're they're cool. But think about the Big 12. They're not getting a team in this year. Unless you want to count, do we get to proactively count Cincinnati as a Big 12 bid? Sure, they, they absolutely. Didn't, they didn't play a Big 12 schedule, but come on, they're coming to the Big 12, so we'll count them. We'll give them, actually, we'll give them half a point. The Big 12 will now have been excluded from the playoffs four of the eight seasons Oklahoma is the only Big 12 team to have ever made it into the college football playoff, and they've never won a game. Therefore, the Big 12 is the only Power 5 conference to have never won a game in the college football playoff. The Pac-12, I mean, they have been irrelevant ever since Oregon sort of fell off. They will now have been excluded from the college football playoff six times in the last eight seasons, and it's actually six straight years because it was Oregon and Washington who made it the first two years of the playoff. At some point, you have to ask yourself, like, do you want to keep staying irrelevant while also championing that the playoff needs to look like this or look like that? Or do you just get on board and say, you know what? Yes, it helps the SEC as well because the SEC now has a good chance of getting three teams in in a given year. Fine. But at least you'll have a dog in the fight. At least you have a puncher's chance to win a couple games, get to the championship game, and make history. Because the way it's currently formatted, you're irrelevant. If you're the Big 12, you're irrelevant. If you're the Pac-12, you're irrelevant. And if you're a group of five conference you're currently irrelevant Cincinnati is a it's it's history Cincinnati getting in this year is absolutely history but it doesn't change the reality that going into next season you shouldn't now all of a sudden assume that the best group of five team is going to get in no Cincinnati got a win over Notre Dame a really good team that's the reason they got in or they're going to get in and that's fantastic. The biggest surprise yesterday was Alabama beating Georgia. I thought I thought Georgia was going to kill Alabama. I thought it was a terrible matchup. Alabama's biggest weakness th- this year has been their offensive line. Georgia has the most dominant defensive front we've seen in the past decade. And all of a sudden, it didn't matter because Alabama has Bryce Young at quarterback, and he's the best quarterback in the country. And I'm starting to learn something. You know, I, I try to constantly evolve – in how I watch football, turns out really strong correlation to quarterback play and team success. I don't know if anybody else has hopped on this train, but Alabama's got a really good quarterback. They looked really good first Georgia yesterday. There's no chance that that's a little uh, Heisman preview for your particular ballot? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a Heisman preview. You're subject to believe whatever you want. Okay. There's just a lot of praise there for Bryce Young. Well, I mean, come on. Whether I vote for him or not. That's a great performance. You're right. Whether I vote for Bryce Young or not in the Heisman, uh, 
how about this? I'll say this. He's getting the invite to New York. Okay? I think we all know that. I've said from the beginning of the year, I'm going to talk about this with Binkley when he joins us in a bit. I said at the beginning of the year, in 2021, if you play quarterback at Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, I'm going to judge you differently than I judge every other quarterback. I'm going to expect more out of you than I am Kenny Pickett playing at Pittsburgh. Because, yes, Pittsburgh's not playing Georgia in the title game. They played (laughs) Wake Forest. All right, the ACC was a joke this year. But the flip side of that is that Kenny Pickett's playing at Pitt. He doesn't have future first-round draft picks at wide receiver. He doesn't have five stars all across his offensive line, and he doesn't have the best defense in the country. It's like, save wins. I don't care. Wins is not a quarterback stat. But if you're at those programs, those elite-level programs, you have everything going for you. So you better be damn near perfect if I'm going to give my Heisman vote to you. Because the guy like Kenny Pickett at Pittsburgh, a guy like Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati, or Matt Corral at Ole Miss, they got less working for them than you do. And a lot of those guys put up comparable stats. Again, I'm not saying I wouldn't vote for Bryce Young. I'm not saying he's not going to end up winning it. But the idea that like halfway through the game, everybody was saying, oh, this is his Heisman moment. Why? Because he's playing for a shot in the college football playoff. Since when do you have to be one of the top four teams in the country to win the Heisman? Robert Griffin III played for Baylor. He won the Heisman. That was an 11 loss or a three loss team. Lamar Jackson. It's so silly to me the way that we basically eliminate Heisman candidates if they're not playing for a championship. Like C.J. Stroud statistically has as good a case of anybody, but looked mortal against Michigan, didn't play in the Big Ten title game. All of a sudden, he sort of falls out of the mix. I do think this will be the tightest Heisman race we've seen in quite some time. The last couple of years, it's sort of been no-brainers. Everybody knew Devontae Smith was going to win the wide receiver from Bama last year. Uh, The year before that, Joe Burrow, obviously, slam dunk, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield. It's been a while since there's been any level of debate or uncertainty surrounding who the Heisman is going to be. And I think this will actually be a year where there could be three, four guys who are all getting kind of comparable levels of first place votes. All right, we got to take a break on the other side. uh, Who the hell are we supposed to trust in the AFC? I'll give you my thoughts. This is being Sunday on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This year has kind of been Tyreek Hill's year for Chiefs receivers. Like, he has sort of become, we always go back and forth, who's more important, right? These silly conversations. Is it Tyreek? Is it Travis Kelsey? Who's more unguardable? Who's more important to the Chiefs offense? I don't know if that really matters, but I know at least this year, it's been Tyreek Hill stealing the headlines for good reason. He has been the new safety blanket with the way that defenders are playing the Chiefs. All this underneath stuff, he's been great. But it's been Travis Kelsey that's had the Broncos' numbers over the year. We'll get into that coming up here in a little bit. Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders is going to join me coming up at 11 o'clock. And I'm excited to talk to him and, and try and make some sense of who I should trust and who I shouldn't trust in the AFC. Because over the last month, I feel like the power shift has completely altered from what it looked like six weeks ago. So should I just change my opinion on everyone? Or is this just the type of mid-season stumbles, injuries, whatever the case may be, bad stretches, funks, the teams go through? 
Bills play the Patriots tomorrow night, and that's about as impactful of a game for the Chiefs as you could possibly conjure up. Because that AFC East, all of a sudden, looks like it's going to be a really tight battle down the stretch, and the Patriots are the hottest team in the NFL. For a while, I thought the Bills were the best team in the NFL. I can't wait to watch that one play out. By the way, it's going to be 35 degrees, and the forecast is calling for 25-mile-per-hour winds tomorrow night in Buffalo. There's a show somewhere, probably in Buffalo and New England today, that's talking about like how, how the weather is going to change the game plan. Do the, do the Bills run the ball more? Right? With the wind, you, you just try to keep the ball. What's Belichick got up his sleeve? Hey, here's a thought. Um, the Bills are not going to stop chucking the ball downfield with Josh Allen because it's what they do. And his quarterback's, your quarterback's got a freaking cannon for an arm. I can't imagine that game plan is going to change much, but it will be interesting to watch that one play out. On Monday Night Football, no less, where are the Bills at in the AFC hierarchy? Where, 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 where does the separation exist? I'm Nick Schwartz. With Grant Nicholson, this is Bink Sunday on 610 Sports Radio. I I feel like the Chiefs are in that upper tier based off two factors. We know who they are historically over the last three seasons, and they're as healthy as they've been all year, and as they've gotten healthier, They've gotten much more consistent, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. So I feel like they're in that comp. They're they're on that level. But who else is on that level with them? And if they are on that level, is it simply because it's just a big muddled mess in the AFC, or are are they really a step ahead of some of these other teams? The Chiefs came into the year as the team in the AFC, right? AFC runs through Kansas City until somebody goes into Kansas City and wins a game in the playoffs, right? Go beat Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. Then you can claim the throne. Until then, it's the Chiefs' conference to lose. Well, then the season started, and all of a sudden, Kansas City started losing to all of their contemporaries, right? They lost to the Ravens. They lost to the Bills. They lost to the Chargers. That's when it felt like things were getting flipped on its head. I think the first team that I took seriously as, all right, that may be the new team to beat in the AFC, was Buffalo. They lost to the Steelers week one. Kind of felt fluky, but then they went on a tear, won four games in a row, including a pretty resounding win over the Chiefs there in week five. Since then, they're three and three, and they are about as inconsistent of a team as you can possibly find. Like one week they're getting blasted by the Colts, and then they go out last week and kill the Saints 31 to 6 on Thanksgiving Day. I feel like I know who the Bills are. I feel like they're, they're still the class of the AFC or one of them in that mix. But there's just more volatility this year because we're seeing more regression from Josh Allen. As good as he was a season ago and as good as he still is, like there was some turnover luck involved. He's still a really good guy. Like the big plays still exist, but now we're seeing the influx of more of those bad plays, more of those head-scratching decisions that we saw the first couple of years of Josh Allen's career. But they're still a dangerous team. They're a dangerous team, but they're not without their flaws. They can't run the ball to save their life. Like, I know that the counting numbers are pretty good, but, like, hey, can you just turn around and hand off the ball to a running back? They can't do it. They can't do it. It was, it's, it's been this sort of two-headed monster of Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. They clearly don't trust either one of those guys. And now all of a sudden it's Matt Breida, who they picked up off the scrap heap, who's getting a lot of run. It's a sign that they don't really know what to do with their running game. Their wide receiver room, while impressive, it's kind of redundant. They've got three of the same guys, Stephon Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley. Like They don't have that big possession receiver who can go, go up the top or that big guy who you can just throw it downfield and he's going to catch those 50-50 balls. They don't have it. They got three dudes who are basically differing versions of each other. Obviously, Diggs is the best of the bunch, but... I just wonder if their offense is a little one-dimensional and with just a, a smidge of regression from Josh Allen, it takes them from being like world beaters to just another one of the good teams. All right, who's up next? Baltimore? I mean, after that win against the Chiefs, 
kind of thought, all right, maybe Lamar Jackson, MVP caliber Lamar Jackson is back. What'd they do after the Chiefs win? Five-game winning streak. And even though their record would still indicate, okay, I mean, they haven't stumbled that much. They're 8-3. and three. Like, they're the class of the AFC. You watch this team beat the Bears by three points two weeks ago. The week after, they got throttled by the Dolphins on Thursday Night Football. The week before that, they had to come back from two scores against the Minnesota Vikings just to eke out a win in overtime. And then last week, I mean... That was probably as unimpressive of a win as I've seen all year long. What was it? Four interceptions for Lamar Jackson, three in the first half, and they still somehow managed to beat the Browns because they're the Browns. The record tells me I should believe in the Ravens. My eyes tell me you're getting really, really freaking lucky, and it ain't going to last. All right, who else? The Chargers? Three weeks into the season, I would have said, this is the team. It's the Chargers' turn. Justin Herbert, new coaching staff, taking a step forward. This guy's the real deal. Transcendent quarterback. The Chargers went from being sort of fringe team to all of a sudden legit contender. They're 6-5. and Can't keep shooting themselves in the foot. Got dominated by the Broncos last week. You lost to the Vikings two weeks ago. At some point, you got to start accruing wins. I mean, they got games. They're playing Cincinnati Bengals today. You lose that game, you're sitting there at 6-6. Six and six. you got to start worrying about the playoffs if you're the Chargers. So that basically leaves me with two teams. Two teams that I like, legitimately believe in. The Patriots and the Chiefs. And the Patriots are starting a rookie quarterback. I get it. It's a, I guess there's an extra asterisk or a positive asterisk, a caveat that you have to throw in there. Okay, he's a rookie quarterback, but... He's playing with Bill Belichick. Does Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels have some sort of stash of pixie dust that they sprinkle on their quarterbacks and make them look great? I don't know, but Mac Jones looks really damn good. They were protecting him so much early in the season. They weren't asking him to push the ball down the field. They weren't asking him to make those big plays to fit into tight windows. Well, now they're starting to sort of unleash him a little bit. Now, all of a sudden, we went into the season saying, who are these skill position players? Your big offseason acquisitions were Kendrick Bourne and Jonu Smith. All right. Well, guess what? They've proven to be pretty valuable. Kendrick Bourne looks like a legit number. Like that kid looks like a star. And they're getting him more and more involved. He's a go and get up and get the ball. He looks like a top 15, top 20 receiver in the league. And Mac Jones is looking more and more comfortable as they give him more and more of this playbook. I would still say this. Cool, have a great regular season. The Patriots may win 12 games. You going to come to Arrowhead and win a game? And as a matter of fact, is Mac Jones going to win a game in Foxborough versus the Chiefs? Because it is not the same. You can say Foxborough has this and that, and it's tough to go get a win there. That's fine. But we said that with Tom Brady at quarterback. I got to see it till I believe it. That's a big advantage to have a game if they end up getting home field advantage over the Chiefs in the playoffs, which is very possible. That's fine. But if that's the place you got to go win, and if that's the team you got to go beat, They got a great defense. They still got a rookie quarterback. And history would tell you, rookie quarterbacks, they ain't going to the Super Bowl. They can can pile up a bunch of wins. They can look like a really good team. He may go to a Pro Bowl this year. Let me see what happens in the playoffs. Let me see what happens when it's do or die time. Because that's the kind of stuff you kind of need to see before you bank on. So where does that leave us? That the Chiefs, with another win tonight, have to start being respected once again as not just one of the teams in the AFC, not just a team in the mix, but the team to beat. That would put them at 8-4, and and depending on what else happens today, that still doesn't mean that they would be the one seed or that they're in line to to get that first round by. Tennessee did themselves a bunch of favors, but I didn't even mention them because look at them. Derrick Henry's out, and Ryan Tannehill looks like the Ryan Tannehill from Miami. I mean, seriously, he looks like the worst quarterback in the league. He's top five in interceptions, sacks, and fumbles. Uh, Generally not a good combination for a team trying to compete for a title. I mean, mean, you're seeing Ryan Tannehill's true colors. He lost his offensive coordinator. He lost his star running back. His receivers can't stay healthy. He's playing behind one of the worst offensive lines in the league. 
There are very few quarterbacks who could look good under those circumstances, but I'll tell you right now, Ryan Tannehill ain't one of them. So it's the Chiefs. You win tonight. That's why I say it's about taking care of business. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if it's another 22 to 16 win like you got last year. It's good enough. Get a win. Move on. Take care of business. Don't care. Don't care what it looks like. Don't care if Mahomes looks great. We can spend all week talking about how the offense still needs to figure some things out, how they're still not comfortable playing this underneath stuff. That's fine. But I don't care. This is not a style points type game. We've talked about that so much over the last month and a half, two months. It's making me nauseous. I do not care what tonight looks like. It is a rivalry game. It is a division game. Weird things happen. I can give you 50 examples over the last month as to why that's the case. So I don't care what you think of the Broncos. Get a win. Move on. And I promise you, I'm going to be sitting here tomorrow saying, yep, this is the best team in the AFC. And it's not because they're playing the best football that we've ever seen. It's just because nobody else seems to be able to right the ship right now. All right, college football playoff selection show starts here in about 10 minutes. We're going to talk to Aaron Schatz. We're going to see what he thinks about the AFC, who he thinks is legit, who he thinks isn't, where those tiers are at, and where the Chiefs fit in. That's coming up here in about 10 minutes. This is Bink Sunday on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Shots football outsider is going to join us coming up here in five minutes, get his thoughts on the AFC and uh, what sort of a test he thinks the Broncos will provide for the chiefs tonight on Sunday night football. I'm Nick Schwert with Grant Nicholson. You are listening to Bink Sunday on 610 sports radio, by the way, seeing as how the college football playoff selection show starts in five minutes after we talk to Aaron shots, I see Bink out there. He might be listening. Bink, give me a thumbs up if you can hear me right now, man. He's going to come on with us here after the uh, selection show ends. And we'll get his thoughts on the college football playoff. And maybe I'll give him one last chance. One last chance to uh, give his thoughts on the Heisman. Yeah, there's the thumb. He's listening on delay, but I got the thumbs up. So I know he can hear me. He's been trying to influence my Heisman vote for a while now, so I'll give him one last chance to uh, make his case as to who he thinks should get the invite to New York next weekend. You know, it's been Tyreek Hill who's been stealing all the headlines for the Chiefs, and I I think it, it makes sense, but it's actually been Travis Kelsey who has owned the Broncos over the years. In his Kansas City career, or actually, you know what, let's just do... No, actually, you know what? I, I want to go. I, I, at first, I was going to say, let's just look at the Mahomes era of Kelsey. But I actually think his total body of work, which is, I think, 13 games, is more impressive. Yeah, dude, 13 games. The guy's averaging six and a half receptions and 86 yards per game versus Denver. It's tough to defend Travis Kelsey. Few teams have been able to slow him down. But we have seen some teams do it so far this year, and they basically just mug him up at the line of scrimmage and have the slot corner come over and take over, take any of the underneath stuff. I don't know if it's going to happen because you have to have the personnel to do it. Like, not every team has a Derwin James like the Chargers do who can basically go one-on-one with him. And then we saw uh, what was so puzzling to me was the Raiders go away from the game plan and say, we're actually just going to let Travis Kelsey run free underneath and let him do whatever he wants. And we saw he went off. I don't know if Denver has the personnel to pull that off. They do have they got Kyle Fuller. Uh, I'll take that matchup personally. Just want to go ahead and throw that out there right now. If they want to go one-on-one, Kyle Fuller, Travis Kelsey, I'd like to think I'll take number 87 in that one. But this guy has been unbelievable versus the Broncos over the course of his career. Maybe that'll continue. I mean, there's going to be a heavy dose of Tyreek Hill. I think we know at this point what that game script's going to look like in the first 15 plays. First drive of the game for the Chiefs. There's going to be a lot of Clyde Edwards Alaire. There's going to be a lot of underneath stuff. They're going to try and get Tyreek Hill the ball in space. They're going to get some stuff open for Travis Kelsey. I think that, that that first couple of minutes is going to give us a really, really good indication of how this game is going to go. 
Tyreek Hill deserves the, the praise. He has, I mean, effectively transformed his game from being a deep threat to a guy who can go underneath and turn a five-yard slant route into an explosive 25-yard play. That's why he has transcended and ascended, I should say, to being one of, if not the best receiver in the NFL because he can do it all. And there are very few guys who can check those boxes. There are, there are guys who are good at what they do, right? They're really good possession receivers. They're really good deep threats. We thought that Tyreek Hill was just one of the best deep threats. He's, he's the best receiver in the NFL. And the historical pace to which he started his career maybe makes you want to take that conversation a step further. Let's talk at the end of the season. We have all offseason to talk about historical stuff, but I'm going to be really fascinated to see what the Broncos elect to do. Who are they going to try and take away? How are they going to defend the Chiefs? Because Vic Fangio is as good of a defensive schemer as there is in the NFL. They're going to have a good game plan. And I expect this game to be ugly tonight. If I were a betting man, I'm probably hitting the over. Because I don't think this is going to be another pretty high-flying offensive affair for the Chiefs like we saw two weeks ago against the Raiders. Let's see if Aaron Schatz agrees. He is our next guest. He's going to join us coming up on the other side. You're listening to Bink Sunday on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.